Hey, what's up? It's Complex Angel, and I'm the Vibe. And this your girl, Queen K, and I'm the Vision. And welcome back to another episode of Queens with Vibes and Visions. So, huh, I just had a little mini heart attack. Um, my tablet was not <laughs> connecting to the Wi-Fi in the house. Uh, yeah, just had to do a test run with my phone and all that. So I had to connect to my hotspot because I don't know if I'm in a different part of the house and it's not connecting, but I had to think quick. I'm going to have a show. So, Girl, so we're you're always here. pulling off miracles. Girl, no, I'm always pulling off many heart attacks. Um, <laughs> so, all right, we'll get right into it. Okay, Queen Kay, what is the sipping tea for your soul topic today? Okay, uh, with this with this episode, we are going to focus on the whole picture illustrated by Complex Angel. Uh, we're gonna let we're gonna get into what led her to write a very 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 good book and um, just to let y'all know go cop it I'm telling you you won't regret it it is a very good read but complex for those who have not read your book can you please explain to them the background story of the book and how it came about okay um, so the book no apologies thank you too for the compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, the book, No Apologies, it tells the story of when I moved from the Midwest to the East Coast, moved to Philadelphia, uh, looking for a new start, and it talks about a domestic violence relationship that I was in. I wrote it from an addiction perspective to help educate people out there on why a victim stays, because a lot of people, even police, believe that this is something that a victim likes. So I read it from I wrote it from an addiction perspective to help them understand. And I put like things about generational curses in there, showing how, you know, things that your parents didn't deal with, how it can, you know, come back in you or your kids. And uh mm. yeah, pretty much that's how it became no apologies. Um, that leads me into my first question. Um what was your mental state like before, during, and after writing that story? Because I know it could take you to some dark places. So how did you deal with that? Uh, my mental, before the uh, book, I was, like, very angry. I was um, very embarrassed. Uh, I felt like I should have stayed my ass in Michigan if I knew – coming to a whole nother state was going to cause me to be in an apartment with no furniture, no TV, no laptop. Um, The guy I was dealing with had a pill addiction. And a lot of times when I was running back and forth, you know, he used to be spiteful and he would pawn stuff. And he would say when I would come back, well, I didn't know if you were coming back and you knew that the taxes Mm -hmm. on the house had to be paid. So I had to pawn what I had to do. Like he had no remorse. And Mm -hmm. I used to just like, I used to, like, just really look at everything in my apartment. Like, I don't have shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would compare mm-hmm. how I was in my townhouse. Like, oh, at least I had furniture there. At least I had a stable job. Like, everything was going good. But I was too busy looking at the bad. So then um, I started listening to podcasts because I got tired of waking up really depressed. And this mm-hmm. one lady, she has a podcast called um, – I think it's Fire to Inspire, and uh, I think her name is Angela Yasmin, and she had interviewed someone on there, Kim, she's a pastor, Pastor Kim, you know her? Oh, she's no, I haven't heard of her. Okay, she's white, she wears glasses, she got like a real southern accent, she's really good, but she was talking about mm-hmm. how things that we go through in life it's not supposed to punish us. It's supposed to teach us lessons. And when you can mm-hmm. turn your pain into purpose, that's how you know you're healed. So I was like, you know what? I need to do that. I need to write. You know, I know how to write. And that's one thing that people say, your bestseller is your book. So mm-hmm. I decided to, um, you know, just do just that. It took me like six times to rewrite it. And then when I finally took a writer's class, um, the lady name was Alita. Shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she basically asked me, who do you want to write to? And I was like, I want to write to women who have been in abusive, rela- you know, who have been in abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So basically she told me I had to kind of watch 
how I start the book. You don't want to come off as lecturing mm-hmm. someone who's in that type of situation because then it's going to turn them off. You want to make them feel like they're not alone. So mm-hmm. I just thought back to how I felt when I was in that relationship, and I was like, I was like a drug scene for him. Like every time he called, mm-hmm. I can't, I, you know, I kept running back. So. I wrote it from an addiction perspective because that's what it was. Um, the advice that I got from other people, I said that can help someone who's still in it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pretty much, like, just, just telling my truth. Uh, it was hard. I had to smoke weed to help me tap into those trigger state of mind. Um, mm-hmm. I had, like, a lot of nightmares. I was scared of what people would think about me. I was scared that he would reach back out after he found out. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, after I published it, though, it was mm-hmm. a very, very huge, huge success. Had like a couple little typos here and there, but no one's perfect. Sure, um, you know what I'm saying? I was on, I was right. I was on my own little budget, <laughs> but you know, um, the the response that I got from it it confirmed to me that okay, the you know God was right because I battled with it and He kept telling me take your feelings out of this. This is going to help somebody. And just to get people's feedback, it let me know, like, okay, I did the right thing. Okay. That's what's up. Now, now with that, um, now I know that they say, like, writing a book could be therapeutic. And then, and also, the, do you think that it fully helped you heal from the agony and sadness and the pain from the abusive relationship? Well, the thing about something that's traumatic, uh, because – with abuse, you never you never see it coming. I went to school mm-hmm. with I went to school for this, and still, you know, what I'm saying walked into something like what the hell, and the way they kind of break you down. You know, narcissistic people have a way of studying you, and the way they mm-hmm. break you down. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying it takes a minute to recover from that. Like a lot of things that you know, I'll give you a prime example. Um, when we first started talking, he had stipulations about, oh, don't send double texts. Oh, don't call between this mm-hmm. times. If I tell you I'm gonna call you back, let me call you back. It was just so many mm-hmm. different rules, and I'm like, okay, I don't know if I could deal with this. But you know, he would just tell me like, um, I really like you. I really like you. I I want to get to know you better. And I'm like, okay. But, you know, then over time, those rules become critiques, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Those critiques become yelling, you know what I'm saying? Setting fear in you, Mm -hmm. doing threatening things, um, you know, because I seen him put his hands on his baby mom one time. And I think, like, that was Mm -hmm. a message to me, like, you know what I'm saying? This could be you. You see sides of them that other people don't see. So writing a book, I will say that it has it permanently put in my mind that he's a toxic person and I can't deal with him. You know, no matter how much he tries to reach out and says he changes, I can't deal with mm-hmm. that. It put, it put mm-hmm. that permanent memory in me, but I don't think it's going to be a minute before I fully heal from every fucking thing that went on in that relationship. Yeah. Okay. Now, you said that you said before, you know, any abuse happened to you, you said that you witnessed some of the red flags. Mm-hmm. Why Why didn't, like, I, just, I don't want to sound mean or like I'm judgy. But no, you're asking. I mean, because I know I didn't the run question. from the red flag. Okay. So why didn't you run, like, especially when you see him hit his, his baby mama, why did you, mm-hmm. why didn't you run from that red flag? Okay. Um, one, I was dealing with a lot of depression. Um, after losing my mother Mm -hmm. and my grandmother, uh, the world did not feel safe to me. I was very sheltered growing up. I depended on others to think for me. Well, you know, actually like people thought for me and then I just became Mm -hmm. okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, fuck it. Um, so when they, you know, when they pass, it's like, okay, I'm living life. But this shit is hard mm-hmm. to wake up. You know, it's, it's it's hard to get through this. It's hard driving to different cities and thinking about them so much. So I want to change yeah. very badly. And um, mm-hmm. by the time he put his hands on his baby mama, I want to say it was like a month that I had been there. Manipulation mm-hmm. had already started. And you got to think about okay. it. I was talking to him on the phone from May all the way up until July. We talked on the phone every day 
three up until three days before I left. So the manipulation already started. So by the time he put his hands on his feet on his baby mom, that's when fear mm-hmm. set in. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a lot of times before that where I wanted to leave, and he kept saying, "Oh well." Do you really want to go back home and be the laughing joke? Do you really want to hear people say, I told you so? And I was too prideful to do that. You know, I had already started my job. I was happy that I was finally in my career. Who wants to leave mm-hmm. and go back home, get your license changed back to a Michigan license? I was already yeah. in <laughs> I convinced myself that, you know what, I'm going to just save up and move. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So that's why, like, I couldn't leave after that first, like, red flag. It was just like, and then you got to think about it. Um, The the first time he put his hands on me, it wasn't much longer after that. He put his hands on me around Labor Day. When I left Mm -hmm. and I went to a coworker's house, kept blowing my phone Mm -hmm. up. You hear what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's a trauma bond that you, that you, um, you have with this person. They're telling you about all of their brokenness. They're showing this nice side. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, I had very, I had low self-esteem. So it's like he was just so different and I was so boy crazy. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was using him to distract myself from the pain that I was going through. So it, it's a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like I, um, even after he put his hands on me and I left, the only thing I could think about was how will I live without him? I should be, you know what I'm saying? I should be here living this experience with him because he had me believe I brought you down here, bitch, you owe your loyalty to me. And I was at a very low point mm-hmm. where I believe that, yes, I owe my loyalty to you. So you would agree with the fact that um, after the first incident of abuse, it was more so security than fear as, as why you stayed or why you kept coming back? It was it was both. It was both, um, mm-hmm. you know, living with other people. I was thinking, well, okay, are you just doing this so you can have something to talk about at work? Like, my trust was broken. Like, he made me believe that mm-hmm. nobody cared about me but him. You know, he made me believe that the person that brought that helped me the first time he was like come on now she don't even talk to you at work you don't you don't see what's going on like he was very manipulative but um he also gave that security because I felt out of place at other people's house I didn't know what to expect with them I thought that I knew what to expect from him you know what I'm saying I was very Mm -hmm. attached to his daughter I was very attached to his stepmom. She reminded me of a grandmother feeling, you know what I'm saying? That's very hard. Mm -hmm. And he would use his daughter as a, as a way to get me to come back. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. yeah, that, you know, it played a part. And there was one time where uh, I didn't put this in a book where he actually picked me up from work. Um, This was Mm -hmm. after I had pressed charges after he had severely beat me. And um, I didn't want my new job knowing about that. So I used to have him pick me up on the side. And uh, Mm -hmm. he told me he got into a car accident. I got out the car to look. And it was like a little scratch. But I was just so heated, you know what I'm saying, because I didn't have control Mm -hmm. over my truck. This man would pick me up and drop me off, and I had to be on his time. I could be getting off work at Mm -hmm. 5. If he didn't, if he didn't feel like picking me up to eight thirty at night, I was waiting to eight thirty at night. So, um, you know, it was one of those nights, and I was already frustrated because I had to wait. So it's like I just snapped at him, and I remember he pulled mm-hmm. over in a residential. He pulled over on a residential street in somebody's driveway, and like you know, got out, sat in the back seat, and was like, mm-hmm. you know what, you can fucking drive. And I was so brainwashed, and I knew that you know, him not wanting to drive. I'm like, okay, he's going to kick me out. I fucked up. So I instantly turned mm-hmm. on a nice act. Like, I'm sorry. I apologize. Please, you know what I'm saying? Don't do this. But at the same time, I was still, my voice, my tone was still not as low as he had liked it to be. So he started going upside mm-hmm. my head and started punching me. So I was screaming oh really loud. God. He jumped out. He uh, got into the driver's seat and started driving. And, you know, that was the first time that he had hit me since the last time because um, what they don't tell you is when you press charges, um, the case doesn't drop until after three tries. Like, basically, you don't show up for three times, the victim. 
for you know um before they throw it out and he had convinced me not to mm-hmm. go and he was being so nice from September 30th all the way up until this this incident in November so when he started driving, I was like, this nigga really put his fucking hands on me again. I can't do this. And I wasn't the type of person that could just play it off. I was lit. I was pissed. So I was like, you know what? I'm fucking done. This nigga started speeding up really fast. I mean, we're doing 50 and a 25 speed limit. And we almost oh smacked God. into the back of a car. Um, I remember he slammed on the brakes and I hit my head on the dashboard. And he was like, leave me and see what the fuck will happen. Jesus, I didn't, I didn't know all of that. Um, yeah, it gets, that it gets pretty intense, but, <laughs> yes, it gets pretty oh, intense, God. but, um, this is why How did, I wrote it. I'm sorry, keep going. No, go ahead, babe, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but this is why I wrote it very descriptive like that because a lot of people out there, I even wrote about the emotional abuse because a lot of people out there think that this shit is not real. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to like really let them know, you know, and um, our trauma bond was that we both lost a parent. So he used that against Mm -hmm. me. He made me think that he, he made me think that his addiction came from losing his dad. So I was just basically trying to help him because he kept telling me, that's not me. I'm only, you know, I'm only like that when I'm high. And I believed him because every time we fought, he was high out of his mind. He would take six 30-milligram Percocets a day. And, the, and coming down from those is a monster. So, yeah. But uh, what was your next question? Um. Like, with reaching out to the law, how did they make you feel when they pretty much didn't take it serious? Like, I know, um, like, growing up, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff, like, with the police. Um, I, I won't say no names, but I've witnessed domestic violence firsthand, not with myself, but with other people. And the police will make you feel worse than the person that actually did the act. How did that make you right. feel, especially being somewhere so new and not knowing how it worked? You know, how did that make you feel? Um, I remember that night sitting in the detective's office waiting to talk to someone, and it wasn't – excuse me, I'm sorry, my allergies act up. It wasn't per se the, the detective that had the case. It was just other police officers that was just sitting back talking. But, you know, they were saying, like, oh um, – you know, it's, it's been a lot of uh, domestic violence cases because it was around football season. So they were like, it was a lot of mm-hmm. domestic violence cases. Um, and somebody was like, well, they shouldn't be fucking with uh, guys when they're watching football. And they were just laughing. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel kind of hesitant to go and, um, you know, say something. But I'm like, you already didn't came this far. You get what I'm saying? But the yeah. crazy thing was when I talked to the detective, they knew exactly who I was talking about because they pulled a mugshot from him doing the same thing a couple, you know, years. I already knew he was going to have a record on file. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't his ba- It wasn't his baby mom that pressed charges. It was her. It was her sister that pressed charges because he put his oh, hands wow. on her before. So you know, like you would think that that would have like you know made me run. Like this nigga got a fucking mugshot, but he had a record back in Detroit too. You know what I'm saying? Because he's originally from mm. Detroit. So um, it's like, you know, I'm like, okay, I came this far. The girl, the coworker who let me come with her the first time, let me come back. She was with me that night. So I'm like, I didn't came too far, you know what I'm saying, to just mm-hmm. turn away. So I still, you know, um, put the police report through. They took pictures. Girl, I felt like I was on SVU. I swear, like, I just felt like oh, I didn't wow. have telling myself, like, this isn't me. Like, I was on the outside looking in, like, how the fuck did you get to this point? But um, mm-hmm. I still did it. I proved them right because I didn't I didn't follow through with it, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of fear sets in, but trust mm-hmm. me, it is hard when the police doesn't, they don't take it serious. And I will say that that's the reason why a lot of people won't speak up still to this day. Yes. Yes, that is mm-hmm. so true. Like, you lose all hope in the law with yep. stuff like that happens, you know? Exactly. Um, it's crazy. But um, my next question is, even though you dealt with such a toxic relationship, do you think you would be the same woman that you are today? Do you think you would have grown this much 
and too complex um, without experiencing that? I don't think that I would be where I'm at now. Um, I don't think that I would still, I don't think I would have found my voice. I think that um, I, it probably would have took me some more fucked up relationships to get it right. And um, I think that that's what the Lord was trying to teach me with that situation because um, I looked back at all of my other relationships and I always got Mm -hmm. the short end of the stick. But the reason why it was so easy to go back to him was because, like, the other guys that I dated had the whole I can take you or leave you type attitude. Like, we would get into arguments. Mm -hmm. I would hang up, and and they wouldn't call back. I'll be the one kissing their ass, like – didn't even do shit wrong, but I'm the one kissing their ass. This man mm-hmm. would apologize, something that I never had before. So I was so focused on the the apology, but I wasn't looking at the whole apology. I, I wasn't noticing at first. Like, I was so focused on, oh, my God, he said sorry. He loves me. He needs mm-hmm. me. He cares. You know what I'm saying? I just got to work on not pissing him off so much. But I didn't look at he's apologizing, but he's also – critiquing you and telling you what you shouldn't have did mm-hmm. in that same apology. You get what I'm saying? So okay. we made it, like, mm-hmm. real easy to um, go back. But I don't think – I definitely needed that relationship to help me become who I am today. Okay. All right. And I understand that because um, dealing with my last relationship, and uh, some of you listeners already heard on the last one when Complex interviewed me, it was because of that relationship that I figured out who I am and starting to grow into the woman that I want to become. So it does take those toxic situations to make you and yes. mold you, you know, for the better. So it's not always mm-hmm. bad that comes out of it. So with that said, can you give me like at least maybe three to five good things that came from that toxic relationship that you've realized? Like lessons or like blessings? Lessons. Or could it be both? Lessons and blessings, okay. whichever. Yeah. Um, le- a lesson that, that it did teach me was to look at the whole picture. I was a person that had tunnel vision on um, just like one little thing, and I would capitalize off of that potential. Um, mm-hmm. Because of that abuse and because I was so comfortable in it, it showed me um, – and honestly, it was after it was. It took me to realize this after I wrote the book. When I did an interview with uh, Joy Waller, shout out to her. Um, she has a podcast called Her Voice Sword. She was a um, mm-hmm. survivor of domestic violence, and she built a platform to give other females, including men, a place to tell their story. And Yay, when I was on there. <laughs> when I was on there, she was, uh, you know, interviewing me. She was asking me about my childhood. Mm-hmm. And when I was answering the questions, I'm like, wow, that's why I was so comfortable because, one, I had other people treating me like how he was treating me. They just weren't abusing me. Two, I've seen people in my family get abused and take them back. You know what I'm saying? So I was seeing mm-hmm. the pattern. You know what I'm saying? So it helped me to see that. Um it helped me to notice that I had a lot of fucked up friendships with people. Mm. Um, so I was able to I was able to close doors on that. Um, it helped me to become unbothered. And the reason why I say that is because, like, I thought about him a lot after I left, and I had to get to a point of um, not caring anymore because I'm like, dog, I'm going to end up fucking going back. And I'm going to just say, fuck this apartment. You get what I'm saying? So I had to have an unbothered mm-hmm. uh, thing, you know, unbothered mentality to get through. Um, still relapse, but uh, we'll definitely get into that when you guys read the next book. But, yeah, I still part did two. relapse. Um, part two. Uh, it has brought me my relationship um, because last year when I moved into my place, I didn't have anyone to hang out with. So I started hanging out with his uh, baby mama, you know what I'm saying? I would really like to believe that I hung out with her to keep uh, keep um, an attachment to his daughter, to keep that connection with her, because she mm-hmm. would get her on the weekends. And um, I ended up meeting the guy I'm with now through her, which was a friend of hers. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, was, that was a beautiful thing. And also, you know, 
it 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 gave birth to no apologies, and no apologies set the yes. platform for self love my rehab and Queens of Rise Vision. So yeah, yes, yes, mm-hmm. okay. See, good things can come from bad things. We just we just have to look at the silver lining. It's always there is always a silver lining. I'm telling you, every trouble has a blessing and a lesson. We just have to look into it and not dwell in the bad. That's what I'm learning through the Bible now. And then also mm-hmm. with your story, I'm learning, like, look at, my thing is, if, when you read the book, you like, oh, my God, I feel for her. But then you see the strong woman behind the book. Like, I get to talk to you every day and see this and feel this strong woman behind the book. And it's just like, how the hell? This is not the same woman that went through all of this. So it's definitely good thing <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Definitely is. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I was gonna say it definitely um good things can come from bad, but you also have to look at what you're going through and ask God, what is this trying to teach me? So that way you can mm-hmm. get a clear perception of it. Because um I'm just gonna say all those times where I was like living in the house with Tim and his baby mom, like he had us living like we was like a whole big happy family. Every time we used to smoke and drink together, I just paid attention. Mm-hmm. Someone just told me to sit back and observe. So mm-hmm. always try to figure out what your situation is teaching you so you won't get caught up in, you know, that situation. But, yeah. That's what's up. Thank you for that, Jim, because um, a lot of people, you know, are going through this right now. And your yes. book is touching yep. so many people. Like, I love the fact that you mentioned that, that toxic relationship revealed to you other toxic relationships. So with that mm-hmm. being said, was it easier to let those go? Um, it took a minute to let them go, but my the unbothered mentality that I had made it easy because um, mm-hmm. I prayed to the Lord to help me to be okay with closing doors that were left unopened, because that were left open, I'm sorry, because I used to always wonder, well, damn, how do we get to this point? Just let me be okay with closing that door. I don't even want to know anymore. So I was repeating that every day to myself, and it did make Mm -hmm. those relationships easier, because I had to look at it like, okay, I almost lost myself, literally, trying to, you know, have somebody else Mm -hmm. love me, something I need to do for myself. I didn't lost the most two important people in my world, in, in you know, in the world, you know what I'm saying? Nothing else mm-hmm. can hurt more, you know what I'm saying? Like, basically holding on to them is going to hurt me more than letting them go. So that's how I looked mm-hmm. at it. Like, this pain of letting them go doesn't match this pain over here. You'll be fine. So, yeah. Okay. Now, have you forgiven him? Um... Honestly, I will say that I'm at, like, 50%. Um, I still catch myself sometimes, like, honestly, just wishing bad upon him, um, wishing that karma would come back, wishing that one day I could just see him and just, like, take all my frustrations out on him. And I don't want to say that I've fully forgiven a person if I still wish bad. Um, I am not perfect. I know that I have a podcast mm-hmm. called Self Loves My Rehab, and I'm supposed to be this positive image, but I have to take this time out on this platform and be honest with myself. This man brought me to my lowest. This man spit on me like I was a dog. This man gave me a concussion. It's really hard to forgive someone who mm-hmm. just tried to break you down when all you wanted to do was just look out and have their back. But mm-hmm. I will say that... Um, I thank him for trying to break me down because you did the total opposite. But it's just really hard mm-hmm. to forgive. It's really hard. Okay. So do you think, would you say that revenge or forgiveness is the best the best thing in this experience that you had? Are you more so seeking revenge or do you want to forgive him? Do you want to build yourself up to forgive or do you, would you like to see some type of revenge, some type of karma first before you could fully forgive? Let's just be honest. We all want to be that fly on the wall that see the karma. But Come on forgiveness, now. Yes. Yes. forgiveness is, is way better because you don't want to stoop down to their level. You get what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Karma already happened. 
Karma already happened with the book. Um, I had a lot of people that was pre-ordering the book, and I didn't use his name at all in the book. I didn't want to take away from the message because a lot of people know him. And, you know, um, I had people taking pictures to self-promote, and he reached out to one of them and was like, this book is about me, basically trying to bash me talking about some uh, mm-hmm. everything that she said in there is a lie. She wanted the relationship. I didn't. And they basically told him, you mm-hmm. just told on yourself because I wouldn't have known it was about you if you didn't say nothing. She didn't even put your name, bro. So that See? was like the karma. Like, you just outed yourself. But I would say that forgiveness is the best thing, you know what I'm saying, because mm-hmm. you don't have to hold on to these feelings. You don't have to have these headaches. Yeah. I, don't lose, I don't lose sleep at night because I'm in a better place, but that's another reason why I want to fully forgive because I'm in a better place. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I, I would that. say yeah, that I don't want that. Yeah. I would say that I for, I'm forgiving, but it's really hard to forget. It's really hard to forget all the stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I get that. And they say never forget, you know, because you have to remember what what not to go back to. So with the mm-hmm. forgiving process, what is that looking like for you right about now? Like, what what things are you doing? Like, I know that you got the book, but what else is helping you with dealing with this? Because I know, like, it's still an emotional tie because you probably still get triggered off certain things. So how is this forgiveness process working for you? What are some techniques that you're using? Um, well, I listen to podcasts every day before I listen to music. Um it's just like something that helps me because I know if I'm in a certain mood, music can't even help me because certain songs mm-hmm. will remind me of him. Um, I will mm-hmm. listen to that. Um, I will talk to God if I'm really, really going through it. Uh, you know, I created this podcast, Create Queens with Vibes and Visions with you. I created Self Love yeah. My Rehab with my co-host, DC. So those are two platforms that help me. Um, my co-host DC is also like my sponsor because um, when, you know, he, when he went through his alcoholic situation, you know, in AA, they have you have sponsors and stuff. So he will always check in on me, especially after I had the little relapse moment last year. Like he really checked in mm-hmm. on me. And if I'm feeling at a moment where I'm feeling like weak, I will call him and ask like, Hey, is this normal? Because he was the one that helped me really understand that I had this addiction and that mm-hmm. you can't, when you have an addiction to something or someone, you can't just go around them real quick. And last yeah. year he had reached out, you know, the guy had reached out to me asking if I could help him, help him do something. And I went mm-hmm. around and did it. And caused us, you know, ended up, we, like, really, ended, we um, caused us to sleep to sleep together. And um, I felt, mm-hmm. like, really low, but I had to be honest with D.C. about that because I'm like, if I don't tell mm-hmm. someone, I'm going to slip back into that person. So um, he would check up on me. He helped me to get the restraining order and everything. So, you know, I have him. I read self-help books, um, reading, you know, mm-hmm. the seven simple steps to beat emotional baggage. Um, I smoke. <laughs> I smoke to help me cope. Um, okay. And you know, like yeah, um, I just try to become a better person every day, and just remind myself that I'm not where I used to be. That is so powerful. Um, that's what's up. Um, a sh- shout out to DC. Um, shout out to having good friends, you know, people that are holding yeah. you accountable and still have your back at the end of the day. You know, they don't always tell you what you want to hear or sugarcoat stuff. Like, I know you've exactly. been that. You've been my sponsor. <laughs> you tell mm-hmm. me, look, this going to come off right. I just want you to know this right now. But, uh, <laughs> but it helps. Right. You know, it helps. Yeah. You helped me through mm-hmm. my situation. So, Shout out yes. to good friends because I'm telling you, they will help you. They will help you through yes. stuff like this. So you okay, have to. So Your circle gets we, you together. Yes. So before mm-hmm. we segue into our next topic, share something with the listeners. Like help give a listening. I mean, uh, give a uh, who do I want to say? I just had this in my head. Lord, don't let me draw a blank. <sighs> Give us some insight on how to, like, if somebody is going through something like that right now, what can you tell them to help them out? Um, well, one, look at 
what this what what you're going through, like look at what it's trying to teach you. Um, pay attention to that person's actions. Um, do you see a pattern? Because it was real easy for me to start seeing the pattern. Um, because every time I went back, it's like the nice side went away quicker and quicker each time, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Love yourself. Know that yeah. the void that you think that person or that that object is, is going to feel, it's not going to feel, only you can feel it. Because um, I had to realize being reckless with this man wasn't going to bring my mama or my grandma back. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't even taking the pain away. Um, mm. And also, when you can see, when you can stop looking for the person that, that person has pretended to be, when you can realize that that's not them, it'll be easier for you to move on. Your mental is always going to be something that you have to continuously work on. You know, I've been out of this situation since March of last year, but I, you know, when I go to, when I go to certain areas, I still get triggered. Don't think that you're weak. That's your body. You know what I'm saying? Your body remembers, but you have to take the steps to um, just move forward and know that the longer you stay, you'll never get out of it. You know what I'm saying? You got to start taking those steps to leave and just honestly never look back. It is easier to deal with mending the bruises that you already have than to Mm -hmm. become a person that you, you know what I'm saying, like to have them permanently. I'm trying to think how my cousin said it. Leave now before you are in a situation that you can't get out of. Like if you have a baby with them or if they burn you or something like that, you want to leave before there's permanent damage that can't be reversed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then another thing I learned from you is that you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to, have to, have to work on yourself mm-hmm. first before anything um, yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, do yourselves a favor and please go cop no apologies, especially before the second book drop. You will not be <laughs> disappointed. Like this story, <laughs> I read this book four times in a row, back to back. So, <laughs> oh gosh. And yes. I got three kids, but I may I'll show you how to read this book. Oh, so, okay. so please, I don't go know. Get that. Um, I don't know if I want nobody else to read the book because people was like uh, abandoning their kids to read. I'm like, no, you still got to be a parent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it ain't no oh, parent yeah. time when that book is open. No, 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 no. Yes. Yeah. I was the it, one it abandoning my things. kids. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. It, you want, it was somebody does. else. That, it was somebody else that was like, they, they had a three-month-old. It's like I was trying to read the last oh, page. They kept crying. It was so funny. It was funny, though. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really good read though. Really good read. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and get into this. The segue into this. Am I less of a lady? Complex. What's the question? Um, my question this week is: Am I less of a lady if I feel sex makes me feel degraded? Mm. You want to give you background on, on why I said that first, or you want to just kind of please? Answer? Please do, because I want to, yeah. Because the reason why I asked this question was um, being a victim of sexual abuse growing up. Uh, I want to, I'm going to say molest, no, it was molestation. I don't don't know if they go hand in hand, but I was molested growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that we never talked about it, I was, I lived a very promiscuous sex life. And um, I tried to find love through sex. So I was doing, like, a lot of sexual things just to please a guy. And um, now that I've been watching Pastor Mike Todd and really understanding what how powerful sex is and that it's more than just a physical connection, I feel kind of, like, degraded. But <laughs> I don't know. It's like I'm trying to handle that now before I get married and, you know, have to give that to my husband and he feels like he's turning me off and that's not the case. Yeah. Um, I don't think that makes you less of a lady. It's the experiences that you dealt with because um, with dealing with my, my, uh, my second partner, um, mm-hmm. 
I felt degraded. Um, sex mm-hmm. wasn't exciting for me at all. It felt like a chore. It felt like, oh, this is what you got to do. Yes. Enjoy it. I felt nasty. I felt bad afterwards. Um, but that was just because of the emotional connection to it. I didn't have it anymore. It wasn't pleasing mm-hmm. to me. So I don't think that makes you less of a lady. It's the experiences that you have connected with that act um, that make okay. it degrading. Because it could be a beautiful thing, but if you have a bunch of bad trauma attached to that act, that's all you're going to think about. That's how you're going to feel from now on. You know, we have to be able to deal with that first before we can see it as something different. So I don't think that mm-hmm. it makes you less of a lady. It's just like like me. I, I, that's something I'm still battling and struggling with at this moment. So mm. I don't think it makes you less of a lady. Sorry. Ooh, that was, oh, that thank was you. Good question, though. <laughs> that was a really good question. They got me thinking, girl. Goodness, <laughs> I gotta get this together. <laughs> I don't need any type of husband. <laughs> this is not right. Yes, I just it's something that I had to think about. But um, so even even well, in your, I'm sorry, I don't want to get too personal, but with sure. your relationship now. Um, are you starting to get some like some positive and some um some good experiences from it to where it's overshadowing the the negative you experience? Well, yeah, um, yes, I, I I've even talked to um him about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I, I want to say like um we 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 have we have a very healthy sex life. But I would say, mm-hmm. like, sometimes um, how I feel afterwards. Like, I, I wrote a poem mm-hmm. uh, called Dear Sex, and I had read it to him. And I got emotional while reading it. But, like, he said, he was like, it's a really powerful poem. You should read it at an open mic. You know, a lot of females can probably relate. But he gets it. He knows that it's not him. And, you know, I tell myself that in the act, I tell myself this man loves you. He's not looking, um, you know, he's he's not looking to – embarrass you or make you prove yourself Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and honestly it's easy to believe because I took sex off the table with us when we first met because I wanted to see like let me see if you really a thorough person and he honestly said Mm -hmm. like I want to get to know you you know I I don't want to just know you from sex I want to know you past that so it was easy Mm -hmm. because like I was able to build a friendship first but yeah he gets it though Okay, that's what's up. Shout out to Big Bro. Good man, good man, good man. <laughs> okay, um, well, with the At My Less of a Lady segment over, um, let's get into that glowing tip of the week. Okay, so my glowing tip this week is um, create a self-affirmation. Um, yesterday we had interviewed LaQuisha Malone on Self Loves My Rehab. We talked about body shaming. And, you know, she was saying that that's one of her self-love tips. And, honestly, I wanted to bring that in as a glowing tip today. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because um, when you have a self-love affirmation and you repeat it over and over, you are speaking this into your life and you are healing at the same time. Um mm-hmm. Sometimes I go back and forth with, do I want to tell my abusive story or do I want to just leave it alone? Because I have this mentality that, oh, I'm giving him power by talking about him. And I've been praying Mm -hmm. to the Lord to help me understand that, no, you're not giving him power. You're telling your story to help somebody else get out of there. So um, whenever I get into my, like, feeling low or feeling like, damn, I'm not good enough. I repeat um, a little self-affirmation that I said, that I created. I actually created this, Mm -hmm. um, I think, when I got the restraining order. I had to, because I felt like like everything I worked for was like bullshit. So I said, Mm -hmm. um, I am not the person I was two years ago. My weaknesses will be my strength. My wounds are my wisdom. I love me and I owe it to me to always protect my energy and feed my peace of mind. So I would tell myself that every day. I need to get mm-hmm. to telling myself that. So please create a, self, <laughs> create a self-affirmation and just repeat it and repeat it because um, what you speak and what you think and what you write definitely comes to um, it comes to reality. So that's my goal. Yeah. You taught me that. 
I like that. I like that. You definitely taught me to, to start speaking positivity into my situation. I'm trying. I'm still a little mm-hmm. hard-headed, but I'm trying. I promise. Um, <laughs> I see my, a difference. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm trying. Okay. Uh, my glowing tip is um, Pastor Mike Todd released a book called uh, Relationship Goals that goes along with a series that. that he did a while back. Um, of a, a relationship goals. Okay, now look, like when we think of relationship goals, we automatically think like he only writing about you and a significant other. No, this book actually goes into your relationship with yourself first because in the series yes. he tells you about yourself first and how to be with mm-hmm. that person first. Like you have to learn how to build that relationship within yourself first before you can connect with somebody else so the book will go along with that whole series. Plus, he just uploaded Sunday. He uploaded relationship goals, um, uh, uh, relationship goals 2.0. So that that series is starting up now because the book uh, was released, I believe, April 24th. Um, you had okay. to pre-order it, but I'm pretty sure you can still order it off Amazon to go along with the series. It will definitely give you insight on how to build a relationship with yourself first so that way you can, you know, be in a healthy relationship. Um, so please go cop that. That is, like, my glowing tip for the week, month, year. I can't wait to read it. I'm definitely going to let you guys know, you know, little bits and pieces, but not giving away too much because I definitely want y'all to go support. Um, but that is my glowing tip. That is all. So, what is the AO Queen's Listen Up quote this week? Okay, so I definitely have, I, I actually have two. Um, okay. These were brought on uh, by the whole topic, the whole picture. Um, mm-hmm. They came to me, and I didn't even, like, I was anticipating the answers, but I didn't get the answers that I thought I was going to get. <laughs> it's the, the answer mm-hmm. that you gave me took me to a whole nother level. I'm not going to act like I didn't almost tear up. But oh. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna cry tonight. I don't yeah. cry on live. I'm gonna cry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, my first one is: in order to love who you are, you cannot hate the experiences that shaped you. Mm. Okay, so that goes into us knowing that you have to find the silver lining in the clouds. Um, the next one is. How you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. Now, people say this many, many different ways, but it is so true. We have to love ourselves. Like, I didn't know how important this was until after I got out of this relationship that I was just in. Like, if I can't love me, who can? You know, and how can I fully love my kids right if I don't even know how to love myself? If I don't know how to show love to myself, how can I show them love? So these are just some quotes just to get you pondering, get your mind going, you know, just just think about it, ladies. I'm serious. Yes. So those are my two little quotes. So (laughs) wrapping that up. (laughs) Sorry, I almost got emotional. Give us your B... (laughs) Give us your beautiful thought for the week, complex. Okay, so the beautiful thought for the week is um, you can't teach what you don't respect and what you're afraid of. So with that being said, parents out there, um, I am a person that is very passionate about generational curses. Uh, People have told me to be an advocate for domestic violence. That's not where the problem starts. The problem starts. And when the child is young. So parents out there who are thinking or anyone who's thinking about bringing kids into the world who already have kids, please understand, kids repeat what they know and do what they see. So if you are pouring hate into this person or you are showing hateful relationships, that's going to be that child's foundation growing up. Please understand whatever issues you are going through right now, Deal with them. Don't sweep them under the rug because the last thing you want to do is be 40 and 50, seeing your kid go through it or seeing your grandchildren go through it. It starts with Mm -hmm. you. It took me to realize that this abusive relationship happened because my mom dealt with it, my grandmother, and my sister. 
And there's so many other mm-hmm. females out there that deal with this. And I'm telling you, generational yeah. curses will do what they want to do. So please, before you bring a child into this world, try to understand that they are a sponge and they are only going to do what they see. They will follow your example before they ever follow your advice. So you can quit with the whole, oh, don't deal with this man while mommy's still laying up Mm -hmm. with somebody who can't even bring nothing to the table. Please practice what Mm -hmm. you preach. And that's my beautiful thought for the week. I love that. Girl, yes. Um, I have read something on Facebook. It was like a meme, and it was just like, mm-hmm. um, it said something just like that. And it was like, um, people are so wrapped up in the word. No, people pay too yep. much attention to words instead of actions. And yep. that is so true because I paid attention to words only, not seeing the mm-hmm. actions that was not matching up to nothing. And and it is because of what I've seen growing up. Well, if I feel like mm-hmm. that person can deal with it, well, I can too. Let me try this out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it just comes down, yeah, it comes down to the point of, like, when no one is talking to you about it, you start to think, okay, well, damn, this is normal. This is what you have to go mm-hmm. through in love, you know what I'm saying? Because no one's telling you don't deal with this. You know, like on This Is Us, Jack, prime example. Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm girl. always going I'm always gonna go back to this show because this show is really getting girl. helping me. This Jack show, seen his mother. Yes, Jack seen his mother getting abused. Jack seen how his, his father treated her, and she told him, promise me, you will be better than your father. You get what I'm saying? That's all it takes is just one talk. You know what I'm saying? But you also got to practice what you preach. You get what I'm saying? And because he loved his mom, he became more than his dad. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, but, y'all watch um, that. I'm serious. If you ain't up on that, Complex put me up on that. That show you gonna cry, you gonna feel it for real. Yes, but it touches on a lot of topics. Yes, Um, Yes, it helps me to see everything. It helps me to see stuff from the brighter side instead of going to like Mm -hmm. the revengeful side of it. So yeah, but um, well, guess that concludes our show. I can finally breathe. I had a mini heart attack. You don't even understand what I was dealing with two minutes before the show started. I'm just saying. That's how I felt when I kept calling, and I'm like, oh, shoot. It said no. I said, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, so, players fuck up, players fuck up. But, <laughs> but um, all right, y'all, I'm complex. Yes, me too. But, no, I'm Complex Angel, and I'm the vibe. And I'm Queen K. I'm the vision. And peace and love. We're out. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.